Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome back. Y'all are listening to Duo Rants Podcast. This is Steph. And this is also Steph. Hope everyone's doing great. We have a really cool episode lined up for you guys. It's around representation of women in not only media, but also how that translates into our governing bodies and who represents us. Uh, And we really took this topic because of the current month we're in it's a hispanic heritage month and we thought what better way than to talk about it now because i think one of the major themes that uh, hispanic heritage month celebrates is not only how far we've come in representation in all aspects but also how much we need to go or how far we need to go so we really just wanted to start off by talking about you know representation as a whole uh you know how you know, what that means and how that relates to diversity and inclusion. We wanted to talk about representation by bringing in current events, how our own experiences have affected uh, each other and us in these ways, talking about sexism and how that also relates with racism in the United States, the history of how women have been portrayed in the media, give you kind of a breakdown of a little bit of history, some statistics of kind of where we're at, where we've been. And yeah, So we really wanted to talk about how important representation is because it's so important, you know, from such a young age to be able to see yourself in positions of power, positions of, you know, fame, because it's so important to be able to look up to somebody. And even if that is in the media, like if you see someone in the movies, like that represents power in a way. Like, yeah, it's not political power, but that is power in the way where it is showing kids or really anyone of any age that they can be like that person and they can yeah. achieve. And it can also things. influence in political ways. Whatever's being shown can then be translated into policies because at the end of the day what movies represent is stories and both of us really believe that how women are portrayed in the media how they have been directly affects really why there is such a disparity in representation in our government because how you've been socialized how you've grown up by what you see on a screen whether that's social media or on tv on you know a movie screen that ultimately affects how you view people in real life. You know, the villains are in movies, who the heroes are, how certain people are portrayed. If you are, if you grew up in that and over decades, centuries, we've been socialized to view, you know, women in a certain way through how they're portrayed in the media, that is going to directly affect how you portray them in real life and, and how you view their ability to hold a position of power. Yeah, and not only to mention how we're not even adding yet the layer of race and how that Mm -hmm. also has a huge implication on minority girls or whoever whoever is looking up to them. Yeah, and you're going to hear us use this word a lot called intersectionality. In our realm, this is... This word is thrown a lot. It's thrown a lot. It's a big topic. We have to remind ourselves that people don't know what this means. And really what what it means is how all these different layers connect to each other and affect each other. And so, you know, we're going to be talking about sexism and racism and how those things are intersectional because of the the different layers they provide in, you know, cases of oppression and discrimination where, for example, somewhere where a white woman might be oppressed because she's a woman, she's going to hold certain privilege that a woman of color would not. And all those layers come into play and they all affect someone in a certain way. And so along with this, we also wanted to bring up buzzwords that come up a lot, diversity and inclusion and what this means in 
representation of women in these different aspects. And diversity ultimately means the presence of these different experiences. So whether that has to do with gender, race, religion, anything, that everyone is present, everyone is there. You know, inclusion rather means that everyone holds that equal amount of power in the situation and holds the same voice and is able to pursue upward mobility yes. in a given situation. I get, uh, having a seat at the table is a term or a phrase that a lot of people use when trying to explain inclusion. It's having a voice or having a place where you can voice your perspective and your yeah. experience when something is trying to be decided. Yeah. In a way that I've heard it too is diversity is like the having the seat at the table and inclusion is being able to have a say at the table and be yes. able to speak. Because mm -hmm. I think there's a big difference where like you can aim for diversity, but if you're not actually encouraging and seeking voices to be heard, then you're really just kind of looking for a stock photo. Yeah, to make you're right. You look and better. I think that leads into us talking about how women are portrayed in the media mm -hmm. and how those representations can even uh, have a say in why women act the way they act yeah. and why certain women might not voice certain opinions or be really big and vocal because of how they're portrayed in media. Yeah. And I think that you know, that leads right into, uh, you know, we can start by talking off, you know, with Hollywood. There was a survey done, a study done in, I believe, 2018, and only 31% of women actors held leads in Hollywood movies. And I mean, that number's low in itself, but then looking at when they are holding leads, what are those leads? Whenever there are more women in a movie, it's a chick flick. But if um, if there's more men in leading roles, it's not called a man flick. So like, it's just normal or quote unquote normal. And there's no name for it. And I think that's really important to point out where we've been socialized to view something like that as normal, as just the natural way of things. Where if you see like an all male cast, and then if we're getting into the topic of race and all white male cast, no one really questions it. And that's how movies were for a very long time. And then as soon as people started trying to diversify casts, movies, TV shows, it was labeled a stunt, like a political stunt or a statement when it wasn't a statement before. So why is it now? Why can't that just be, be the normal. way of things? It's... <laughs> There are more than white men living in the United States, so naturally there would there would be casts of movies and TV shows, anything that would have diverse groups of people in them. I wanted to use the example of when Ocean's 8 came out, of when the remake of Ghostbusters came out, where these were labeled like female remakes, and everyone's like, why do we need this remake? Like, why do we know this is not important? This is just like, you know, crazy feminists trying to make a statement. But it's like, why? Like, why Why does it get point out when it's an all-female cast? We make up 50% of the population. I don't even think it's the cast part. I think it's what the women are playing. That's yeah. the issue. And in those movies, they held positions of power. Obviously, Ghostbusters is a little different than in Ocean's 8, but it's, yeah. it's still... <laughs> It's still like in the movie, a position of power and leadership. And like yeah. in, in Ghostbusters, they had 
Chris Hemsworth played, they did a gender flip based on stereotypes. And he played the stereotype of what would have normally been like the young, attractive, normally blonde woman uh, who was like the side character, but they had Chris Hemsworth playing that. And so they did a whole gender flip and people noticed it when it was him. And I think that really plays into the stereotype because women have played that role for a long time and no one really questions it that much because it's just how it was. But as soon as you gender swap it, suddenly people notice. And I think that really pointed out the stereotypes that most women have played in movies and TV forever, probably. Not only forever, but how society then translates that into what it should be. Mm-hmm. Like that is what a woman's place is. Yeah. Because I mean, how many times in movies did they turn teachers, librarians, anything like that into like the sexy side character? And then those actual professions are now labeled women's roles. Like they can get fetishized, like all these things because of how it's portrayed in movies. Mm -hmm. And then not only that, it then translates to the people making policies on these issues Mm -hmm. and the importance of it. Yeah. How important is the education system? Yeah. It's on the lower list of a lot of policymakers. Yeah. What profession, who holds most of those professions Mm -hmm. in the education system? Women. Yeah. But then that's where the whole topic of power structure comes into play. Because like in the education system, most teachers are women, statistically, but most admin positions are held by men. Just like in Hollywood, women make, make up still about half maybe a little less of actors in Hollywood, yet a very small percentage, I believe it was only 9% of women make up director and producer roles. So why? It's not because women aren't capable. No. (laughs) We all know that. Yeah, but if you go your whole life and and have historically, each generation's been taught and has seen we know how propaganda works. And I'm not saying, obviously, these movies aren't, most movies aren't probably made with the intention of being anti-feminist propaganda, whatever you want to call it. But it does pose that issue of if generation after generation sees this on a screen of like the doting housewife or the ditzy blonde or women not holding certain ones that need to be saved all the time yeah exactly the damsel in distress if you see that constantly and it's in children's movies that trope is in so many things you're gonna believe it like over generations it's gonna become like a subconscious belief yeah and then what what kind of women are we raising Mm Hmm. yeah and i think that only also ties into the stereotype of like machismo Latin American countries and in the Hispanic community and how, oh no, the man's the man and they Mm -hmm. have this role and then the woman's the woman and they have this role and they need to be guided by the man and how Mm -hmm. they even treat differently between their daughters and their sons and Mm -hmm. all that. And it's crazy. I was taught us to be independent and to not have to search for a man to, to save us or to be the breadwinners like no you can you can do that yourself but mm-hmm. i know there were there's still communities and that are still trying to fight against that in this new generation and that's still being reinforced by the media yeah yeah and i mean i remember i i took a 
gender and literature class. You took it too. I think we yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where they mentioned how in Disney movies, like the older like the older Disney princess movies where the movie ends at the wedding scene, it ends at the kiss, it and, and like it doesn't continue past that. And so it basically you know, and I love Disney princess movies. I'm not one to like criticize. Oh no, same the the music. I, I will watch Cinderella nonstop. Tangled, and, Rapunzel. Yeah, but well, that that's a little different though. That's probably you know compared to old, oh to older yeah to older movies. She was given like a something after. I mean, it it was about like her adventure, but in those older ones, the storyline pretty much ends at this. The goal was to end up married, and like that was your goal which is not a bad like it's not a bad message no it's not a bad message at all it's just when that's the continuous thing for a young girl and you think oh my prince will come this is what life is all about because that's what you're seeing in movies there is that argument to be worried about that and i will never stop watching those movies but i will also not shy away from pointing that out and i think that's the beauty of society is that we can see the flaws in that yeah and how those movies are great but we also have to make new movies that are more encompassing of the diversity a woman can have yeah and and the abilities they have and that they don't necessarily how we are now how we want to raise (laughs) the next generation now and that's why i think when people get all upset about cancel culture that's where it really bothers me because it's like i could say what i'm saying right now and people would be like oh you're trying to cancel disney princess movies and it's like no i love disney princess movies but it's i think it's really important to be able to criticize like i i think that recognizing that without you know saying i'm never gonna watch this again it allows you to just want to make things better and to make things how you would want your own kid what you would want them to see and be taught yeah because you were taught by everything yeah and you would think that some people are like no they won't pick up on that like you are reading too much into it no i can they assure do. you they pick up on that and they definitely that show, do they pick up on that yeah because kids are sponges and i think mm-hmm. we can all agree on that yeah i work with nine-year-olds i know yeah. that they pick everything <laughs> up so so it's great you can, i, I want to show my kids those movies but i also yeah. want to show them Movies where it's like, no, you can do this too. Like, mm-hmm. you are not limited to what a, a society tells you your gender needs to be. Yeah, exactly. So. What people have been using in order to see, you know, how movies and TV shows have um, improved in this with the Bechdel test, which is the test to see uh, how women are represented and shown in movies. And so it has three parts to it where. There has to be at least two named women in the movie. They have to talk to each other and they have to talk about something besides a man. And these things only have to happen once in the whole movie for it to pass. So even at this, the standard's pretty low. But a lot of really like popular movies don't even pass it. And it's really sad because we don't even notice it. That's the part that I think is sad, where until I was even taught what this was or until I started realizing it and noticing it, I would watch this and never notice. And like, well, that's fine. Like if you don't realize that there's barely any women who, you know, have a substantial conversation in most of these movies, I'd probably rather not know that. But once you see that, you can't unsee it. And I think it's sad and makes a really big point that we don't see it. 
because that really shows how socialized we've become in this and how this really just seems natural to us to the point where we don't see it. And how that can also translate into our own lives. Yeah. Because if we don't have it, sometimes it's kind of you see it and then you kind of reflect on yourself like, oh, snap. Does that happen to me? Does yeah. that not happen to me? But or have never, I made those yeah. assumptions? But you're never going to see that unless yeah. well, you physically see it somewhere else. Yeah. Because like in a movie, like we've talked about where it's like if some male actor is playing the president of the United States, that's so normal because that's all we've ever known. But if a movie decides, oh, we're going to have a woman play the president, suddenly everyone, it's going to become a talking point. Like, why did they do that? What's the the agenda behind it? And it wouldn't have been a talking point if it was a man. So why does it have to become a talking point? I and maybe know. it was a statement. Maybe it was. But like, if it's just to diversify it cast or to just be like, hey, they can. So what does it matter if this character is played by a man or a woman? Why does it have to become a talking point? I don't know. <laughs> this always makes me so sad because I, trust me, I love movies. I love TV shows. Mm-hmm. But when you also have like this third eye kind of going yeah. in the back of your head, it's how are they really representing this? Mm-hmm. How are they representing women? Do I like the representation? Yeah. It, it kind of ruins <laughs> the movie sometimes. I know it's hard to unsee these things once you learn about it. And, and then it's you hard also and it, realize how important representation yeah. is and how it affects the way legislation is written. Mm-hmm. Look at what's happening in Texas. We literally just talked about it in the last yeah. episode. I think that has a lot to do with how women are portrayed. Yeah. You know, I saw this thing that point out that um, streaming services employ more women and more women of color, specifically when it comes to black and Latina speaking characters in their TV shows. And I mean, if you go on Netflix right now, you can find a lot of TV shows with people who look like you. And I think that is so important than, you know, this, and this is comparing it to cable TV. So they do this more than, than cable TV shows do. And I mean, with how popular streaming services are becoming, I think that is so important because I want, you know, my kid to grow up seeing women in roles other than what they have been portrayed in the past. And then that leads us into our topics on, you know, bringing in race and how that affects all of these things and adds a whole other layer to them. And not only race, but then colorism. Yeah. No, yeah, that adds a whole nother layer Mm -hmm. when viewing these things. Because I did a paper back in college uh, from our women in politics class about how Latinas are portrayed in the media and how that affects young girls because sadly a lot of the ways latinas have been portrayed is as this they're the maids or they're like the sexy maids or Mm -hmm. they are there just to please the man and are sensual and like that's all they do like we can look at sofia vergara or salma haya like sadly like that is how they are portrayed Mm -hmm. that is how the media portrays them as but it's also like that's not what latinas are like yes trust me they have fiery sides and yes, they they can stand their ground. And I love mm-hmm. that about my culture, that they're strong women. But there's a difference of being strong women, fetishizing Latina women. That's not okay. Because mm-hmm. sadly, young girls are going to look at that and be like, that's the only thing they can be. Mm-hmm. Not even adding the colorism aspect. Mm-hmm. How a lot of women you do see are lighter. Yeah. And 
the Latino community is made up of all different colors. They mm -hmm. really are. And the fact that a lot of the women that are portrayed, the small portion of Latino women that are portrayed, a lot of them look the exact same way. Mm -hmm. Some of them actually change some of their Hispanic features because they need to look a certain way or yeah. else they won't get the part. And it's like, we're already fighting to get on the screen. Mm -hmm. And now you have to add on a whole new element of you don't look the part, even though you are Hispanic, you are Latina. Mm -hmm. And I think you can even point out Rita Moreno. Mm -hmm. She's an EGOT winner and the only Hispanic EGOT winner. Yeah. And I don't think she, I trust me, she's amazing. But I can tell you there's other darker Latino actresses, actors that can also be an EGOT winner but they've never gotten even the chance mm -hmm. and it does raise the question of would she have been an EGOT winner if she had darker skin maybe but maybe not because if we look at you know historically how that has gone over in the media it's a legitimate question it is mm -hmm. and I, again that's just a whole nother layer yeah there's I mean like we mentioned before just the intersectionality of all of these things it's just one layer on top of the other on top of the other and it's so much to unpack and like we're barely scraping the surface mm -hmm. with all of these things. And trust me, just as hard as it is to unpack, it's going to be hard to solve. Yeah. And this that's isn't just a flip of a switch kind of solution. Yeah, just like it's taken generations for, you know, the socialization to even take place. It's going to take generations to unlearn it and to try to change it to where it's no longer affecting ideology, thoughts, policymaking. And we wanted to connect all of this to our representatives in government. And we were looking at data and statistics put out by Pew Research, which we love. It's a very reputable source, does a lot of polls, a lot of data studies. The current Congress we have now is the most racially and ethnically diverse Congress that we've ever had. Which and is a good step in the right direction. It but is. after you hear these numbers, I don't know how proud we should be yes. of it. <laughs> because we, it is a, a really great thing that we should be proud of. But if you look at... So this is split up between men and women. And then it is also then going to be split by race. So first, given that the U.S. population is roughly 330 million people men and women are, it's basically 50-50 split. So white women make up roughly 30% of the population and Latina women make up 8.4%. So that should mean if our government is supposed to be representative of the population, then it should include 30% white women in holding political positions and 8%, 8.5% of Latina women holding political positions. So in Congress, white women make up roughly 16.5% of those positions, while Latina women make up 2.5% of women in Congress. And for state executive positions, white women make up 24.5%, while Latina women make up 2.3%. In state legislatures, uh, white women make up 22, about 23% of those positions, and Latino women make up 1.7%. For mayors of large cities, it's 17% for white women and 2% for Latino women. So not representative <laughs> of where yeah. we're at in the population. But we're getting there. It is a step in the right direction. Right. It's the most diverse we've ever had. Yes. 
Which says a I lot. I think says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is where the numbers get a little depressing. So this is split between House of Representatives and the Senate. And in the House of Representatives, we have 435 representatives. Of those 435, white women make up 69. <laughs> Not percent. 69 no. people. 69 people <laughs> out of seats. <laughs> 435. And Latina women... There are 12, 12 Latina women out of 435. In the Senate, we have 100, two per state. So there's 100 seats. There are 21 white women in the Senate and one Latina woman. No, is it Latina woman or is it just a Latino man? No, there's four. Oh, four. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's four Latinos in the Senate. Three are men and one is a woman. So considering that this is the most diverse you know it's better than zero we're getting there and i think what's helping is that our media is changing Mm -hmm. and i also think social media although social media has its its cons i think one of those pros is that a lot of people can put their narrative so other people can see it and you can see how it's differing from traditional media Mm-hmm. and how that is giving people new light into different into similar experiences that they have but yeah overall it's like a new experiences that other people might have not known yeah. or seen before. because if someone like you is not representing you then it's somebody else telling you what your own experience is and mm-hmm. change doesn't happen when that's going on like with our topic for the last episode it had a lot to do with who's making these decisions and in that case it's men making decisions about women's bodies and in the case of if we're looking at race if we're looking at gender it all shows who is still in power and that's the scary part because old white men representing them is not representing our population as a whole no because they're not carrying the same experiences yeah. and perspectives that, that are different <laughs> than yeah. a white man narrative. <laughs> and we, of course, have our opinions on a lot of the old white men in power, but they still have a place there. Of course. They're, of course. Like that, we're not dismissing that at all, no. but there needs to be room for everybody else where they are still making up like 90% or more of our officials who are making all of these decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's dangerous, you know, when one or two get elected, if you see, I mean, what we saw with President Obama, it it was like racism ended. Or if you see in the media, like if you see someone like Oprah, people will be like, oh, well, well, but, but she's rich, she's famous, she was successful. So that means for all women of color, you're fine. You can do the same thing that she did. When if you're looking at the outliers, that's ignoring the patterns and the historical trends of what women and women of color have had to deal with in this country since its founding. Right. So sad. (laughs) It really is. Sadly. Because, I mean, it's like if we were, like, if we were to both run for office, I wouldn't be able to vote on the behalf of based on my own experiences for your interests because i haven't experienced directly what you did like yes i can vote accordingly but if i'm not coming from that space 
it doesn't hold the same weight. Right. Because at the at the end of the day, what governing bodies do is that they're there to tell other people's narratives, other yeah. people's stories, and why their stories matter and why the issues that we're talking about need to be solved, but mm-hmm. they also have to be solved through the eyes of these other people that don't have a voice to voice them. Exactly. That is what it is. And the fact that you reading off the numbers of how the representation in Congress, mm-hmm. it's sad because it um, it's not only sad, but it's also telling on what experiences and narratives are being told and how many millions of other voices aren't even being heard. Yeah. And how are you supposed to draft policies without hearing those other stories or without having someone that can tell them from a, not even your same perspective, but at least have some idea of what's going on? Yeah. We're not saying that white people can't advocate for policies and laws for people of color, but it's saying, why does the white person have to be the one to do that? And be taken seriously. Yeah, to be taken seriously because it's so often when people of color and especially women of color are trying to do the exact same thing that someone else said, they are faced with attacks of, oh, you're taking it too personally. Oh, you're taking, you know, you're so sensitive. All of these different narratives. Uh And where's those stereotypes and those ideas supported Mm -hmm. by the media and what we're consuming? Mm Mm-hmm. It all connects, guys. It all connects. It all connects. (laughs) And it's just important for everyone. You know, I think of that that photo that went around of that little girl looking up at the mural of Michelle Obama and how like in awe she was staring up at that. I love that photo so much because all kids should be able to see that, to feel that. And we see that not only in the things that we are watching, the things we're reading, everything, the people we learn about in history. Mm -hmm. You don't understand how happy I was as a little kid to see like Dora and Diego and Handy Mandy (laughs) when they spoke Spanish Mm -hmm. because you literally, you feel connected to them as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would have loved to have a person like that, that I can look up to like AOC she has her ideas, but <laughs> Hispanic girls are looking up to that being like, I can also do that. Yeah. Because there was no one that was being as vocal as she is. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. No, it's, it's all so important. And I think you know, we'll, we'll definitely get comments of, from people saying, you know, that this really doesn't matter, that we're looking too deep into this. But when you understand, and especially the things that we've learned, like getting our degrees in political science, we... We see this, we've seen the studies, we've seen the trends and the patterns and all the data that prove these things. <laughs> Some people don't think that representation really matters because as long as you have someone there that mm-hmm. holds your same beliefs, like it'll be fine. Well, it won't be fine. Yes, they could be fighting for the same issues and trying to get solutions, but will those solutions also be encompassing of your experience? Yeah, it's, it's showing I don't know. who holds the power. We talked about so often during college about the importance of symbolic representation and what that means. Where just seeing someone that looks like you in a position of power has such a huge effect on so many other things and not only kids' lives, but adults' lives. It it all comes down to role models and heroes and all of that. And if you don't see anyone who looks like you, then you're going to start to believe that it's just because it doesn't exist. Or because the people that look like me were just never meant to be there in the yeah, first place. Like, oh, we can't, I can't do this. We can't do this. And I do understand that 
back in the day when these systems were created, it wasn't as diverse. I get that. Mm -hmm. I see that. I'm like, no, yeah, it makes sense as to why it was the way it was back then because the majority was typically white people. And white men back then, like the gender stereotypes, that was also a thing. But as time moves on, you have Mm -hmm. to adjust. You have to change those systems to be encompassing of what is currently going on. Yeah. And that's why we we really want to focus that when we're talking about all these things, we're not necessarily talking. I mean, we do want to talk about general population, but we really want to emphasize that it's people in power. It's politicians. It's governments that through the course of history have instilled this, have gone in with the purpose of creating a society to dismiss and stop other voices from being heard. But for the general population, when you've just grown up in that, it's really not quote unquote your fault. Like just the average person walking down the street, it's not their fault that society is built in a benefit towards them. Right. And again, I would also put myself in their shoes. I'd be like, well, why why is everyone all mad all of a sudden? This is always been No, I I understand that. Like that's not my fault. So why are you mad at me? But it's like once you see it, we think it becomes your responsibility to to try to fix it and to try to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to get tired of us saying this, but the only way for you to see the change is to vote people mm-hmm. that look like you or that hold the same yeah. experiences or similar experiences so that then they can go and represent you. Yeah. Or do it yourself too. Yeah. Ex- go run for whatever office you want to hold. But I mean, it's not even just elected officials. It's going and supporting films made by women producers, women directors, or that are created by women of color it, because money talks, box office numbers talk. It's supporting the people that you want to continue to mm-hmm. see. I mean, we didn't even get into wage gap in terms of all these things. No. But I think it's really important if it's not you wanting to run for office and to directly make that change, it's to support the people who are, whether that's encouraging someone to become a teacher, to go become a, a CEO, like anything that has a position of power, encouraging someone, supporting them so that we can continue to create this society of inclusion in every single aspect. And mm-hmm. yeah, it starts at the bottom, but unfortunately we have a top-down system. Yeah. So it's, it is the media, it is those elected officials that really set the stage for representation at those lower levels because it's it's what we see and what we see is what we believe most of the time so i guess we'll end on that note kind of sad (laughs) a little sad but i mean like we said we've made progress we're continuing to make progress progress and and we're going to continue to make progress i mean we see with our generation with the generation that is following us we are like a generation of change like we are all about voicing opinions and wanting to really just flip the system upside down Mm -hmm. and i'm all for it i really think it's going to be our generation and the ones after ours hopefully that we're really going to start seeing a switch in numbers yeah and hopefully we can get those stories told of people that have been silenced for way too long Mm -hmm. exactly i like that steph i think that's a great great thing to end on thank you well i guess thank you if you stayed this long we appreciate you always appreciate you thank you for those who have listened to our first and our second episodes if you haven't we would love for you to go back and listen to those as well and you know we will see you next time 
Yes, and don't forget, we will have our Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and email posted in the description and in our main description in case you guys have a question or want to comment on something or yeah we want to lo- challenge us on something anything. we're also We'd love to hear feedback comments concerns suggestions anything stay up to date every monday got a new episode for you guys all right bye bye